0: you think your wife can hear you? No. Then why bother? Maybe I'm wrong.
1: You're going to die.
0: Maybe not.
1: Goodbye to you, my trusted friend.
0: A new day is dawning. New ideas. New rules. New no management.
1: We've known each other
0: since we were
1: two. Who is this? The Marquis de Gramont. Challenge him to single combat. Win or lose, it's a way out. I don't sit at the table. Your family does.
0: Please pray for me. I was the black sheep of the family. A man has to look his best when it's time to get married. Or buried. I'm going to need a gun. Goodbye, my friend. It's hard to run. If you win, the table will honor its word. <laughs> You'll have your freedom. Under the old laws, only one can survive. Failure to meet at sunrise... ...will result in execution.
1: Last words, Winston? Just have fun out (laughs) there.
0: I want you to find your peace. But a good death only comes after a good life. You and I left a good life behind a long time ago, my friend. Hey, all you joygasmers out there, and welcome back to Joygasm, a video game. And movie podcast. I'm Russ. He is Steve. And we're so glad that the Baba Yaga has visited us again in episode 312 today, March 23rd, 2023. We're going to be getting right into our topic of the day, which is John Wick, Chapter 4 Movie Review. So there's no reason to skip ahead, but just to be certain, make sure you serve that subscribe button and uh, be of service to that notification bell. That way you will not miss a single solitary episode of Joy Guzman drops once a week, each week. Steve, it is always a a good day, mm. nay, a good week. Mm. Even a good month, dare I say a good year when- Good night. Oh, good night as well. <laughs> when John afternoon. Wick movies get released, this is true, Rats. Uh Yeah, I, as you know, mm. am a huge fan of the John Wick franchise ever since the first film came out. I believe you have also uh, been quite the big fan of John Wick as well. Indeed. 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 And so here we are with John Wick Chapter 4. You know what's interesting is. The first John Wick film came out in 2014. That's a while ago. So it's it's literally been almost 10 years worth of John Wick goodness. Mm. And you can
1: definitely tell Keanu has gotten a bit older mm-hmm. and a bit
0: slower. A little bit. But he still brings it, Russ. He he definitely does. He he, he definitely, definitely brings does. it. And yeah, it, there is something very endearing about when you watch him in this film because he, you know, he's slowing down a little bit because obviously like you said he, he's a bit older he's not as spry as he was 9 plus years ago you know and that's totally understandable but you know what i don't care like i i don't I, care either. I think i think that um <laughs> th- this this film I'm you you
1: can't, you can't like john wick if they go to go oh john wick 5 and then they recast john
0: no it ain't going to fly no 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 Um, I was going to say, I'm just, uh, I'm Jack, Steve. I'm
1: I'm Jack to the tits.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Can they cut glass, Russ? Oh, (laughs) Oh, yes, they can. (laughs) Very much so after seeing this film. (laughs) What I also think is crazy, too, is I did not realize Hmm. that this film is almost three hours long. Yeah, I knew that going in, Russ. (sighs) You did. Having to check the
1: time. Way beforehand, when I was checking the, the the dates of its release, I was like, mm, is that is that right? Uh-huh. That can't be right. Well, it's right. So
0: I went in there thinking, like, okay, this is going to be pretty long. And it was a bit long. It was right? a bit long. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was a bit long, but it was worth it. And it was worth it, right? I was reading about how Actually, the 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 first kind of uh, final candidate of mm-hmm. the film was well over three hours. I can't remember like what forty five the,
1: minutes they cut out.
0: Was that what it was? Yes. I mean, and I want to watch it. I too. was going to say like I sincerely <laughs> hope that they release some kind of director's, director's cut, cut where they put yep. the forty five minutes back in mm-hmm. because I'm all about that. I'm I want to see it. Yeah. I want to watch as much John Wick as as humanly possible. Yeah. Um. And what I think is is very impressive too, is the fact that this is an action film. Mm-hmm. This is not some big drama that has all kinds of complicated moving parts and that sort of thing from a storytelling perspective. This is an action movie. Like we go to see this because we want to see the gun foo, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Like we love ourselves yeah. some gun yeah. and right. we love ourselves some Keanu Reeves. So I'm very impressed that they basically released. I mean, I think the final film runtime was like two hours and 47 minutes, I want to yeah. say something like that. About that, I, I don't, I, I can't recall another action film being that long. Yeah, Return of the King. That nah, wasn't that's really not action an action. Like that's a, a drama, that's, that's a well, fantasy drama, fantasy drama.
1: Yeah, yeah but
0: uh, was Godzilla that long? Because I remember Godzilla being really long. Yeah, I, I don't remember if Godzilla was almost three hours long or not. And Godzilla, like the way they approached that movie was more of a slow burn. I'm, I'm assuming you're talking about the more recent versions. Yeah, slow enough, and I went to sleep. Yeah, well, and I think that was that was kind of their approach to the film was like they wanted to have this like build up right they wanted like Ah. a slow burn before like finally it was like the big reveal so yeah that wasn't like non-stop action like john wick was no ladies and gentlemen there is a metric ton to love Mm -hmm. about this movie Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. that's i don't say that lightly as a john wick fan just because I think that like part of the challenge for the the cast and crew is how do they continue setting the bar with each film? And each film has its own persona to it, if you will. Like it's a continuation, obviously, of the story. But I do think that, they are always trying to figure out, okay, how can we up the ante? How do how do you know the last one we did this, this, and that, okay, And this one, how are we going to do something that's even more creative or more unexpected, more cool? And they did it. Really what just f- did
1: very difficult to do in your fourth film. Oh, yeah. mean, it's hard enough to do in a trilogy, let alone the fourth one.
0: I do think part of the creative opportunity that they have, yeah. Is because they're based, their films are based off of of, uh, like martial arts and different types of uh, weapon play, yeah, Yeah. uh, weapon combat, that sort of thing. It does like stir the mind in terms of like, okay, how can we, like, what can we do? Like, if, if we had like a bunch of knives, like, what kind of scenarios could we cook up? If we had like certain types of weaponry, what could we cook up? And like, oh, by the way, how could the camera angles like also. Uh, be simpatico with like what kind of combat you see on screen that sort of thing so it's really a recipe for success because you Mm. could keep going in perpetuity like just over and over and over again of of having these films and having each one be fresh and cool from that that perspective true but you can't overdo it no
1: no at at some point that's that's actually one of the small things i started to pick up on where uh, like the the body count in this movie was so high and i liked it so awesome i liked it but at some point towards the end i started to feel numb towards it Mm. uh, because it was so 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 much and i thought okay you know in, in every john wick there's a very long sequence of gunplay fighting Executions, if you will. Yeah. And and so at some point I felt like um a bit desensitized. not nah, I mean, desensitized is a bit too strong of a word, but I didn't feel like they were as special. Mm. You know, because they're always going through uh, you know, the, the same kind of fighting sequences, the same sort of moves, uh, same shooting, you know, and it, there wasn't enough like special sequences in every fight scene that would separate it necessarily from Like the third installment and the second installment. Uh huh. Did you pick up on that, or did you feel the same way? I'm not talking like it's gonna ruin the film. I'm just taking it uh, apart, just on the fight sequences.
0: I would say, in terms of the fight sequences, so okay, we have essentially almost a three hour long movie. So Mm -hmm. you're you're filling that time Uh space. I mean, like most action movies, like when you see fighting and that sort of thing. I would say on average is about an hour and a half. Sure. So they basically doubled Mm -hmm. that amount of screen time, which I am so thankful for because I just had a good time with it. And I know what you're talking about because John Wick's chapter, or I should say John Wick chapters one, two, and three, (laughs) because those films were shorter, there was more of an emphasis on unique combat situations and unique assassin character types, right? right? You still had that in this film, but I but I think they were wanting to convey this sense of how it was like John Wick versus the world almost, right? Like, like he's been <clears throat> on the run for Long time. three of the four chapters, mm-hmm. you know? So he's having to, well, I mean, I guess technically two out of the four chapters, but still at the same time, this was kind of like, the piece de resistance, you know, like, like it was him having to like, finally like understanding like a possible way out of this whole thing that he's been uh, at odds with, uh, that he's had conflict with. And so they're throwing everything, uh, including the kitchen sink at John wick to try and stop him and seeing just how much he was having to go through. um, I think that there was a level of intention there in terms of, making the viewers perhaps feel a little desensitized in order to relate to John wick, because John wick's character is an assassin. He's a professional assassin his whole life. That's his gig. That's his thing. He's not, I mean like he, on the one hand he can be empathetic to certain characters. He has friends in this world, but at the same time he's a cold blooded killer. Like he doesn't have any kind of real afterthought shock about how many people he's murdered. So I think in a way I think that was kind of their subtle exercise of having us just kind of get used to like all these villains being dispatched. At the same time though, I do agree with you in the sense that I like it, um, again these are like extreme nitpicks.
1: Sure, yeah, absolutely.
0: But um in terms of the different fighting scenarios Maybe having one or two other type of very uh, unique type of assassins that are trying to take him out because you know it did kind of at one point toward the end kind of turn into like you just had anybody who was a contract killer trying to take him out who clearly could not best John Wick they were not at the same level as John Wick or close to it or whatever but it was because of the contract right a forty million dollar contract. Anybody who's in that world is going to be like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try, you know. Uh, <laughs> and much to their uh, dismay, they they are no demise. longer, yeah, <laughs> dismay and demise. At the same time, though, the cast that they had in this movie, you had so many awesome characters, yeah. Like, and that's one of the the many strengths of the John Wick franchise is that they not only can they not, they not only maintain the, the existing cast, but they build additional characters on top of that, um, existing base. And so you just, you get more and more of this world fleshed out. And we, as the viewers benefit from that immensely because, you know, like you, you see, um, Winston and the King, you know, uh, who are basically turning into these, uh, elder figures for john wick you know right. offering him old friends yeah offering him um different types of advice and like how to maneuver and how to do things and it's always a pleasure seeing both of those gentlemen on screen i love how they did do, they don't just have this approach of one and done we're like okay yeah we we use this actor now we're going to toss that one and we're going to bring another one no like you you have this this past this history going on I want to bring something up, Russ. Well, are you going to derail what it is I'm about to talk oh, about, Steve? Okay, I'll hold
1: off, but it just has something to do with what you're talking about. Go ahead. Finish mm. your thought. Please, finish your thought. Oh,
0: okay.
1: Okay. Thank you, Steve. Thank
0: you. So what I was going to say is that in terms of the, the the new characters that are being introduced, all of them were fantastic. You know, you have Kane, who is this amazing assassin as well, who's on John Wick's level. Mm. You have... um I, I, you have the the new marquee for who's the French guy who's mm-hmm. like. By the way, did you know that he that actor is the same actor who plays the clown in It? No. Yes, I'm pretty sure. I can't remember his first name, but his last name is Skarsgård. Uh, I'm. I was looking at him. I'm uh, like, there is something about his face. I'm pretty sure. Well, I never saw
1: it, Russ. So
0: well, I didn't um, either. I never saw it, but like I saw. I mean, I mean the trailers were everywhere. It was like this like huge blitzkrieg of marketing when that film came out and so that you know they they constantly are showing his face everywhere. So you're for sure he's the same dude? I'm I'm pretty sure. Like I think I can't like I said I can't remember his first name, but his last name I know is Skarsgard. Um but I was looking at him I'm like I think that's that's the guy from, from the the It movie. Hmm <clears throat> so excited almost choked in my spit. While you're confirming well here you're probably Oh wait, yeah you're right. Yeah. Yep. That's right. <laughs> Which again is it makes for a juicy villain, right? Like you have someone who's like that and, and uh all of a sudden he's in this other role, did a marvelous job as the villain. And then you have um the other that you had the tracker who was the guy with the dog, and that was interesting, and they all had their own kind of motives. You had uh, we we got to go to osaka and like check out the the japanese continental and one of our personal favorite actors was like the what, what, what the manager the manager of the osaka hiroyuki i always i have to look at his name because i i have uh trouble pronouncing it it's Hiroyuki Sonata. Sonata. Yeah. I was going to say Sanada. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <Zoe> Sanda- <laughs> I have the list of actors in front of my screen just because some of them, like, I just don't want to, uh, I'm trying my best not to butcher yeah, right. their, their names, but, um, you know, you also have the Harbinger, which is again, another class within the, the overall underworld of assassins and the high table. I just, and you know, I'll, I'll get to that in a minute, but like, <clears throat> so you have that, you have the daughter of, um, the manager of Osaka, sure. she's awesome. I mean, like you you go through all these different characters and I didn't feel at all like, oh, that character didn't get enough screen time or, oh, I didn't bond with that character or whatever. Like everything worked flawlessly. And I mean, another, another huge character was, um, I don't remember his name, but he was, was he like the brother of the woman who was running the, the tribe, the Russian tribe that John Wick was trying to get a part of, and mm-hmm. she says, "Go." She said, "Kill my brother." Right? I don't think it was her I cousin. Remember. I can't remember like what his relation was with them, with but like you know, she she said basically, you have to go kill him, bring back proof that you did, and then we'll let you right. back into In our Berlin. Was it Berlin? In Berlin, yeah. yeah. Let me tell you, that guy was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> like. I've never seen this guy before. I don't know who he was. He had, I mean, and they all had great screen presence, but he was such a delicious villain. Like he almost, he was almost like this roided out version of the penguin from the Batman world right, in a way. Yeah. <laughs> Martial arts. And stuff yes. Like- and again, like that's, that's, that's part of like the unexpected joy yeah. of this film is like, you know, you see this guy who's heavy set. He's a big dude, right? He's behind. You're thinking, okay, he's kind of like this gluttonous, slug of a of a crime boss or whatever, you know. He I mean he looks awesome. His suit's just totally loud and like he's got the three or four gold teeth off to the side and he's playing with gold cards. Crown,
1: yeah. Or something yeah. Like that.
0: And grill when things happen, and, and you actually see John Wick fight him, he can hold his own, yeah. And he is surprisingly nimble for the for like his body type and his size, which was great. I was like, oh, This guy's a threat, like, this guy's a slippery
1: pig, ain't he?
0: <laughs> so, anyway, there are so many fantastically created characters throughout this that once again, it, it takes what's already amazing. And continues to expand upon that and build upon that, and all of the actors—you can tell the actors are having fun. They are having
1: fun. Yeah. So can I jump yes, in now? Yes, are you done? Please.
0: Okay. I just want to make sure. So, yes, for the great majority, I agree. Are you going to be a negative Nancy?
1: Hmm? I'm not. I'm not going to dump on the on the. Are cast. you going to be a
0: Debbie Downer, Steve?
1: I didn't feel. Mr Nobody necessarily had to be a part of the story. Oh. He didn't necessarily take away anything. He just didn't add anything to me. And so a lot of the like his screen time was like I don't like you're not necessarily doing anything to the story. It was more so like okay, he's here because we're going to do a bunch of spin-offs from John Wick later on. And so we're, we we want to give you the I mean why introduce a whole a new character, give him, you know, some screen time and then just get rid of him? Like, I think he's there for like the spinoffs they're doing. You know, they're doing a couple spin spinoffs, right?
0: Yeah. I don't, I don't know if that character in particular is part of it or not.
1: Right. And then I felt that uh, like the, the whole dog thing was done last. With Halle Berry. Uh, with Halle Berry. So like the whole thing again, I'm like, okay, fine. But it's nothing new. It's nothing cool. Uh, and I kind of got tired of like, hmm, nuts, arr, 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 and then bites the guy. I'm like, okay,
0: we saw that like last time, you know. there There is a challenge to that. I did think about that, how like, um, you know, because they did such a great job. I believe it was John Wick John yeah, 3. Yeah, chapter three. John chapter 3. You know, Halle Berry, also fantastic addition right. to the cast. And the fact that she had two, not just one attack dog, she had two attack right. dogs. Very unique, very cool. So yeah, there is a bit of a, a challenge, I think, in terms of them revisiting the fact that you have right. another assassin that has a canine. But
1: here's the thing. So uh, in chapter two, mm-hmm. you had, uh, I forgot the guy's name. Uh, the actor was well, Common, was stage name. Common, who plays this guy who is the bodyguard or the protector of the sister of the high yes. table guy yes. who he wanted her spot at the table. John Wick had to kill her yeah. and he was protecting her. And then, so they had a little bout, right? Yeah. So there's a scene where they're at the bar at the Continental mm-hmm. and he's like, John, I like, will buy your drink. you will like, consider it a professional courtesy. Right. Right. And then later on in the movie, you, you have this big fight in the subway and John stabs him with his own knife, right in his like aorta or something. Yeah. And he goes, I've, you pull the knife out. And you're gonna bleed out. Yeah. But if you keep it in, and he's basically saying, "Don't come after me. I could kill you now if I wanted yeah, to. Yeah. Don't come after me." And the, the door's closed, and the guy doesn't die. And He like looks like straight in the camera, just kind of smiles like, and then the door is closed. I don't remember him smiling, but he, he smiled. He definitely smiled a little bit. Uh, I just we my uh, my wife and I watched all three movies, uh-huh. and 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 they're awesome. Like. The John Wick series, you can watch back to back to back. Yeah. And they're even better than spacing them out because I remember like watching the third one and I thought, mm, it's kind of okay. And I still kind of feel like it was probably lackluster compared to one and two, mm-hmm. but watching them back to back to back, I enjoyed it more the second time I watched it in the series versus like, okay, we've watched chapter two, months go by, you know, a year or so. And then we watch chapter three. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's will just... I don't. Anyhow.
0: Digressing big time. Digressing
1: big time. So I wanted that that assassin that got stabbed to come back in this one. Mm. And I would I was thinking it would be better if he was there and he came out of nowhere versus Mr. Nobody with the dog. I thought that would have been cooler, and the
0: fan base probably would have yelled a bunch more in the in theater. That's true. I mean I think that's a good point. And I think too, like the the purpose of the the tracker was to kind of give a, a different perspective to the, the idea of, of a pressure cooker, right? So you have John Wick, who's pursuing the high table. He's wanting to get out, and so he's going on this rampage. But then you have this other assassin who, part of his, his bag is he's really good at not just, like, head rushing in assaulting and that sort of thing but he he you could tell he's very methodical sure he has like his his diary or his journal where like you could tell he he's been tracking and making different sketches and different types of uh, uh notes. notes along the right. way that sort of thing and, and then of course he has his dog which is you know it's very much in line with like a tracker class and so the the notion that john wick has not only like like your your are Um, onslaught of assassins trying to take him out, but but you have someone like this as well. It provides a bit more, like I think, and this kind of goes back to one one of the points that you made earlier. Hmm. I do think that uh, a a film like this runs the risk of the assassins themselves kind of almost turning into, um, (laughs) why'd you stick your tongue out of me? I
1: didn't. I had a,
0: I had a gurgle, oh. out of a burp that I was trying to <laughs> hold back instead of belching in the microphone. Uh, you completely railroaded my thought process. I was like, my bad, right? I was try That's why I was
1: making it obviously gotcha. stupid.
0: Gotcha, Steve. <laughs> uh, where was I? Where was I, Steve? Were you listening? Probably not. <laughs> We're talking about the tracker. Oh, the tracker. Yes, he's making notes in his diary. Yeah. So, so what I was going to say is, is that the the film runs the risk of having all these uh, these like, kind of like nameless, hapless assassins almost be like stormtroopers in a way, right? Where like if you watch a Star Wars film and you have this huge army of stormtroopers coming toward a Jedi or something and you don't know their names, you don't know like what makes them unique. You just know they're, they're basically lightsaber fodder. And I think that that's that is one of the risks that I think that the, the creators of this film recognize could identify and say, okay, because we are going to have so many assassins coming out and we just, we don't have, we'll have a 10 hour movie if we actually like take the time to like really flesh out each one. Um, how do we, how do we, how do we counterbalance that? And I think that's, that's one of the reasons why they had the tracker was that we got to see, Hey, Here's a guy who, uh, you know, he's one among many assassins who are interested in the big payday. And so we get to actually kind of follow his trek through this whole thing. Not only that, but there are very interesting engagements that he has with the Marquis. You know, that whole scene where he comes in and 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 introduces himself basically, Mr. Nobody, that sort of thing. And I, I love his name, too. I love how every villain that he comes in contact with, they have a different type of response to his name. I thought that was fresh. But also, too, that scene where, you know, he's basically playing hardball with the marquee, and the marquee, like, stabs his hand. Like, that was a brutal scene. Like, you're just like, whoa, like it not only helped to flesh out the Mark Keys personality more and just how diabolical he is, but also you got to see how this assassin also, like, he's not just a one-dimensional, like, I want to kill John Wick, how much? <laughs> you know, Like like, there was a lot more to his character. The final point I will say is, and this is one of the highlights for me, most of the John Wick films that we have come across you see these fleeting instances where he does, in fact, have friends or maybe these, these sure. um, allies, if you will, right? But they're they're very, like, compartmentalized. Like, there's, like, one ally here, and they kind of help John Wick with this part of his journey. Or they're over here, like, you have a doctor, and they'll, he'll kind of dress his wound or something. And so you get little inklings of that. This is the first time where you see three very adept assassins all working together, all having mutual respect for each other to go up against the system. And that was far, I keep saying fresh because it is like, like you look at it and you're just like, that is awesome. That is so cool because there's this mutual understanding, there's this mutual unsaid respect. And there are these moments like, like for instance, like um, John Wick and, and, and the others as well, if you notice, their speech patterns are very simple. They get, mm-hmm. they're very to the point and Jonathan, with as few words as possible. Winston? Yeah. <laughs> and the reason for that is because, as assassins, if that's your lifestyle, if that's your profession, you know that if you say the wrong word, even if it wasn't your intention, the way that your words are interpreted could mean the difference between life and death. And so that is fantastic to see how. Again, it could be like one or two word phrases or something like that. And again, I don't know. It adds to the pressure, it adds to the seriousness, the weight uh, or gravitas of every one of those encounters. I just love that because it's not, you don't have someone, it well, I would say maybe the marquee, you know, kind of the main villain likes to do some monologuing sure. through the films. And that's perfectly fine. But the the people that are in the trenches, so to speak, I just, I, I just, it's their, it's their, that's their form of business speak.
1: Right. Oh, what was that line? Um, i trying to think of other stuff in the <laughs> that Keanu Reeves said, but I don't really care because, you know, you're not in the movie to watch a bunch of monologuing. You're in the movie to watch a lot of action. You know who else was kind of missing was at the end of chapter three. So what happened is, so... I was trying to remember what I watched because <laughs> it was like January when I when I watched it. Anyhow, so you had the adjudicator and she was pretty upset over Winston letting John cap somebody in the Continental. Right. And then the armies came and- It's um, like their
0: version of special forces.
1: Pretty much like their SWAT team. Yeah. And so John and the, oh, I forgot his name. It starts with a C is his character name. Um the hotel you know, basically the, the the concierge the concierge yeah but, yeah but his name starts with a c it's like anyway
0: uh, i can look it up
1: so it for you. they both hold their own against the swarm so it's like
0: charon c h a r o n yeah exactly yeah
1: charon charon Char- charon, Something charon like that. Yeah. yeah so they hold their own and at the end um winston caps john but he does so on knowing that this is going to hurt but but john is definitely going to live through this and come yeah. back and at the very, very end, you see uh, Lawrence Fishburne's character saying, John, are you mad? Yeah. Because I'm pissed off. And then John goes, yeah. yeah. And then- <laughs> The only way Lauren- Keanu Reeves can do it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then Lawrence Fishburne, the only thing we see him do is like just bring him a suit. And I was kind of hoping his character would be more involved
0: in this movie. I do think, well, so, so he's always- um, Kind of, you know, he he's he's making it very well known that he he's the the underground king, right? Sure. So he's the big boss man. He has his underlings that basically, like, part of of his character's unique strength is that he has this entire network of underlings that um, can do all of his bidding for him. He doesn't have to go out and be, um, you know, the, this person who actually gets his hands personally dirty. You know, he's much more of a kind of a conduit, if you will, where like, you know, he's able to, well, when we first get introduced to his character, you know, you see him throwing out pigeons that have messages and, you know, Mm -hmm. he, he's, he's uh, not a stakeholder, but he's, he's kind of like one of those like middlemen kind of uh, people who are like, he, he, he has made his empire based on being the, the central hub of communications and getting the goods and that sort of thing. Not to mention the fact that, I mean, Lawrence, you know, he's, he's, he's old. Yeah, I just figured, you know, the way they left it at the end,
1: he would have more of an involvement.
0: Yeah, yeah, that, that's true. I mean, it, it would have been interesting to see, like, what they could have done in terms of um, having his character be more directly involved. But I also, I also think, too, I think part of of the, the seriousness of the situation in the film is that the high table is historically speaking, you, you, you just can't trifle with them. Otherwise they will obliterate you. And like we saw, for instance, in this film, the New York Continental got blown up. I mean, like that. there's just no way that someone um, of that character stature as the underground king could ever take out, um, you know, the high table. Not to mention the fact that he's a survivor, right? Sure. He wants to, by proxy, have John Wick take his best stab at taking out the the high table because if he fails then at least there's like you know the whole like six degrees of separation kind of thing where if the high table were to come to him he'd be like hey i've been minding my own business over here i wasn't doing anything you know and so again it's that survivor instinct that he has and not to mention the fact that like you know once again we all want to see john wick be the baba yaga of course
1: let me ask you this though did I miss something mm. towards the end? Towards the end, when they're taking the little boat—not very nice boat, but Th- those yeah. are expensive boats—but uh, they're 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 taking the underground trolley, if you will, water trolley. Yes. <laughs> and Winston's there, the underground king, or whatever you know, he calls him that, whatever he calls him. It, it was the the king, yeah, is there, and of course, Baba Yaga. And so they drop John off. Bobby (laughs) They drop him off, and that was with the whole headstone speech. And then they got him mosey on their way, but they drop him off in like the middle of Paris. Mm -hmm. And then they go towards the spot there's going to be the duel. Why did they not just all get off at the same spot? Like, why have John get off here and Winston get off here? Well, again, I think... Mm, so did I miss something, Russell? <laughs> no,
0: I think I think the reason for that is because once again, mm. John Wick is constantly being hunted. Just because he has a date with like this, you know, very old mm. school way of, of uh challenging the marquee mm. doesn't mean that that there are all these other assassins trying to take him out. I would do the same thing. If I'm Winston, I'm this elderly man. You know, I don't want to be walking right shoulder to shoulder with John Wick and like, I don't know, catch a bullet or a knife or a foot to the face. It's like, yeah, no. I'll meet you there because I yeah. know that I don't have a mark on myself. It's probably... A,
1: I was thinking about that, but then I thought, did I miss something else? Because why do not they just show up? But yeah, that, but that makes... I remember thinking that, too.
0: I want to pivot from what we're talking about over to some of the the actual cinematography and camera work of this. Oh, freaking A. The So Golly. John Wick has always... Man. been really, really fun to look at, visually speaking. The cinematography oh. in every one of the films has been a, just a feast for the eyes. Really, really cool. Oh, gosh. Uh, the, the locales that they use is also one of the, the series strengths where they're able to go to these gorgeous vistas, whether it's, it's in New York or it's in Europe somewhere. This time we got to actually go to Japan. Like, there is so... Really, you know, I found myself thinking in um, the theater, John Wick, in a way, is the American version of James Bond, almost. Only he's not, I mean, he's not a spy. <laughs> he's not a spy. He's not interested in betting tons and tons of women. He's only, you know, he's a he's the loving husband. He He's uh, grieving the loss of his wife. So, there, you know, there are very distinct differences. But in terms of the combat... And what you know hit his martial arts knowledge and him knowing these other assassins. You know, in James Bond, it was always like, like James would run into these other spies from other countries, right? John Wick runs into assassins from other countries. It's, it's it's like that very similar uh premise. But I love that in terms of being able to go to all of these different locations. And I think in this film it was like New York, Berlin, uh f- Paris. Japan. And Japan. I think yeah. there were like four major uh, spots that they they went to. And so that was fantastic. I got to say, one of my favorite, my one of my absolute favorite moments of the film was toward the end where it was the top-down view where yeah. you saw John Wick laying waste. The dragon t- breath. Oh, but like, the, I mean... <laughs> It was the coolest thing having it top down where like the camera was just slowly panning and rotating from room to room and seeing how John wick is doing his thing. And it wasn't just gunplay, but like all these different moves he was doing. I was just as thrilled being that far away from the action as I am when like the camera's up close and personal. So original, you got to not only take in, like how like the room, like the, the set decorations and interior design of every room was so cool. Right. But also you got to see John Wick doing his thing. And like, like, you, you know, you mentioned there is that special um, gun that, that he took from one the of ammo. the criminals. Yeah. It was the ammo, the ammo that was like this, like almost like a fireball it's like incendiary round kind of thing. Jeez. Like, so I mean,
1: cool, freaking, hey, Oh my gosh. Go ahead, Steve. What, what are your thoughts about that scene? Oh No, it was... So, well, I was going to add to that whole uh, litany of, of cool sequences, but the Berlin scene with the club and the lights, which was done. However, this time it had like that falling water, which yeah. light dancing on water anywhere is yeah. going to provide a different kind of effect. But it was so centered. Yeah. And I mean, I can't wait to watch this movie in 4K. Yes. It's going to look Amazing. Off the wall. The, I mean, the movie... Deserves so many awards, yeah. And we're just at the end of March. Like th- this sets the bar so high on so many levels. <laughs> I mean, we were talking about that just the cinematography after the movie, about how beautiful it was done. And I mean, it was, that part alone was so rewarding. It was beautiful. It had like the cinematic stuff of a movie, but it also had the feeling of a game yeah. in a way. Like especially that top-down view. Yeah. Man,
0: but that, it wasn't it wasn't cheesy at all. It, it wasn't was, like oh, oh this reminds me of a video game. It's so taking cool. away no, no. Right. It added <laughs> yeah. to the whole thing. Right? Yeah. No. I I I absolutely. I was I was smi- I was grinning ear to ear right. when I was. I mean, I was smiling through a lot of the film, but like that scene in particular, I was like, man, they they are just rolling with it. They they have their A game. They're having fun with this. Yeah. And the one of the the little cherry on top things was that if you noticed. And this kind of started happening when um, when John Wick was fighting whoever that that relative was uh, of the 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 Berlin people but like you know the big heavy set dude sure the original theme song of John Wick from the prior movies came That's back. That's what I in. thought. Yeah, I thought that was that song. It was that what Crystal Method, I think it was. I don't I maybe even Crystal Method. I don't I don't know if it was that or maybe it was I think Tyler Bates is the composer of the music of the John Wick, at least for this film. I don't know if he was in the previous John Wick movies, but that kind of wow wow Yeah, wow, boom, oh, wow, I got it. Wow, yeah so <laughs> I mean, like so you you started getting hints of that right around the time that he was fighting the heavyset guy and then like when you have like the top down camera view it was in full force I mean you hear it and and literally it's like it it it, it 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 jives so well with john wick being in the zone he's like he's in his personal zone of doing what he does best and it's literally like like when he's not in like these moments of struggle where you're like oh gosh he's kind of in a pickle but more like he is just dealing out the business. And you hear that song, I get, I got goosebumps in my arms. I was just like, oh, this is so, gosh, this is executed so well. No pun intended. I have a story for you. Mm. Just real quick, digress. So we're in the theater uh-huh. and
1: we're, we're loving everything we're watching. And like my heart's good, like, yes, it's so good. Cool. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like fidgeting, but just because I'm so into it, there's the and the seats and the theater the ones that recline there's a button you know there's a heat warmer there's seat warmer no there's like a seat warmer They're and getting i getting
0: pretty fancy in these theaters these I days and i
1: hit it with my leg or my hand or something well, i was like yeah not cool, not cool. <laughs> and so the seat starts warming up and my heart's already going yeah. and i start sweating i'm like man it's hot in here oh my gosh like this is so cool but i thought my goodness, uh, is it just me? I didn't realize that till the end of the show. Like I'm the only one
0: just dripping, yeah, you know, pouring wait. sweat. <laughs>
1: I was like, man, you're really into that. Apparently was. Oh wait a minute, was that setting on or off?
0: <laughs> Good grief. It just added to your overall oh, experience. You run I out was... there and drenched in sweat. <laughs> People are like, "Man, what movie did you see?" "John Wick Chapter for. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh man. Like I have so many different scenes going through my head that were so cool. The, um, I do think, um, yes. So let's talk about Donnie Yen. Yeah. Because I personally am not too familiar with the previous films. I am. I had a feeling you probably had seen some of his other stuff. Yes. Has he been around for a while?
1: Yes. He is a martial artist, mostly doing like uh, Chinese stories, martial artists like if he's he's ip man or ip man um oh, okay so if you watch there's like four movies of that i mean the guy is like a kung fu master so yeah. he knows even like there's a there's a scene not scene a interview with keanu reeves and he's giving credit to hero and uh donnie mm-hmm. saying like these guys are actual martial artists he goes i know martial artists <laughs> martial arts for the screen for yeah. hollywood but these guys are actual martial artists and, and so, and my wife was going nuts because she's seen all his movies. Oh, you know what else was he was in? He was in, uh, what was it? Uh, Rogue One. I'm with the force and the force was with me.
0: I'm with the force. Oh, and the force I didn't realize me. that. That he was with. That us. is him. Yeah. He was there too. And he played a blind person there too. That's right. Is that like his thing? Like, does no. he like playing characters that are blind? I,
1: maybe he's just good at it. I don't know. But he, I mean, he's not blind and he's not blind in IP man. So,
0: um, Ip man. That was so, okay so so we're talking about his character Kane right Kane yeah Uh again the name is great because he has a cane cuz he's blind Um another aspect to it that I think is is really interesting is the fact that he was blind we learned that he he gave his eyes I think to the High Table that's what he so, said yeah Again like you have these different assassins who um essentially like like their reputation precedes them wherever they go they they have been very effective but at the same time they all kind of have their own sacrifice that they've had to make over the years and there's this this kind of sense of regret with the choices that they had made when they were younger and how they are now put in these places of torture in a way because not only was was he blind but then he also couldn't actually see and have a relationship with his daughter because there was some kind of Arrangement made where, as long as he stayed away from his daughter, that like the high table would allow him to retire out and not do the job. But then, you know, that's a big cost, right? That he had to take on. And so, I just like that though, because I thought of Halle Berry's character about how she too had some kind of big sacrifice where, like, she I think had a a daughter perhaps with a son or a daughter, I can't remember, but she was you know grieving the fact that she had to stay so far she was in a totally different part of the world in order to keep her kids safe so like you have like these different assassins that clearly have uh some kind of leverage that that the high table definitely has uses right. yeah and has over them but donnie yin my goodness like it was such a delight to watch him on screen do his thing. I totally bought in the, the fact that, that his character was blind. It was so cool how he was doing his thing. Can we just talk about the doorbells for a moment? <laughs> <laughs> My wife was like,
1: How many of those does he have? Like, he like five or ten. I didn't know what they were at first. I was like, Is that C4? That looks like
0: explosive. We better get out of there. Yeah. Like, what? Like, the dude's blind. Like, what's he thinking? And then you see it happen. I'm like, That is brilliant. Yeah. So it was so simple, but at the same time, you're just like, like it went from thinking like, man, this guy's kind of in like a a, weird, a tight spot, and I wasn't necessarily rooting for him because I I really was rooting for the 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 um, Osaka Continental, but then you see that happen, and I'm like, what on earth? And then you see and and you you watch and you're like, oh, those guys are just toast. Yeah, well, I think he had to do that too because uh, it, he he
1: gave a lot of like Daredevil vibes to me because uh-huh. if you watch Daredevil. Uh, you know, he he can't see or he can see very little. He can see, you have to see the show. Anyway, but his hearing is very, very good. Like he can hear your heartbeat for crying out loud. Yeah. And so I was thinking that with this because he's definitely blind, but he and he has his cane, he's kind of tapping along, uh-huh. but he can hear exactly where you are and therefore he has very good aim. That's right? yeah. what makes him deadly. I'm deadly. He's, more, he's just as deadly as John Wick. Yeah. And so- uh <laughs> but in the kitchen scene yeah explode you know like people are firing they're like stomping their feet every and so you have all this extra
0: distracting stuff and he came prepared with the little doorbell thing I think it's brilliant I mean again like it really is a testament to how deadly his character is cuz the whole time I'm thinking what if he could actually see yeah you know like like the the blindness is an impairment to a certain extent but he clearly can more than hold his own being blind he would be even more deadly if he could see what the heck was going on another aspect of the character is um i loved his trash talk mm-hmm. i love but but it wasn't just him trash talking for the sake of trash talking it was like his character had clearly been around for a long time working for the high table he has history with people like john wick he's a, john wick is a friend there are other people that he knows like like even the the manager at the the osaka continental so he has he he's similar to John Wick, for instance, where like he does in fact have certain boundaries. like he's not just out to kill for the sake of killing. like there are certain professional courtesies, there are certain um, areas of respect and there's also this acknowledgement that the fact that he is um, this death bringer that he realizes how that impacts families and it is this tragic, talent that he does in fact have which again it really fleshes out his character makes him much more deep and i loved how when he was interacting uh with other types of villains i mean his his quips and like his stuff i mean he again still staying with the the style of speech which is very to the point only one or two words spoken but i loved how It wasn't like he was like this mild mannered, quiet kind of guy or whatever. There were moments of that when, like you know, like when he he was with John Wick in the church and they were having uh, time together. By the same time, like I mean, he he really was out and loud about like calling people names or telling them to f off or whatever. You know, like like there was that side of him that i really thought was original in terms of his character and again it helps to kind of separate what makes john wick unique versus what makes sure. kane unique and so on and so forth and i also say my
1: wife brought this up too is something that she appreciates about the series is that they don't they don't just use like men in black with guns all yeah. the time so you have people who are like sumo right you have people who are uh, giant, like the guy in the library from John Wick 2. Yeah. You have a guy that's blind. You have a girl that's mute. Yep. Right? Uh, so they, they're, they're branching out into different uh, areas where,
0: uh, of uniqueness, I'll put it that way. Or is it's, of uniqueness. It's character building. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway. No, you're totally right. And and that, again, that is one of the many strengths of the John Wick series is... They don't just like you said. They're not these like nameless ha- uh, nobodies in suits, except for Mister Nobody, and he's not wearing a suit. <laughs> but the the fact that there are these very defined character traits that make them memorable, that make it so easy. And I, I love all of those encounters. Not to mention the fact they all have their own personalities. Like like the the giant in the library, for example. You know you could they they, they knew each other already, and they're just like, oh hey John, and he's like I've got. Like I think something is something on am like I still have 10 minutes or something like that. <laughs> yeah. He's like, "Well, what's the point?" Yeah, and he's like, "Are you sure you want to do this?" He's like, well, "It's a lot of money." Yeah, you know, like, like it was just so funny cuz there wasn't any kind of like hate or animosity toward each other. It, again, it was just that that whole sense of greed and can I just say one
1: thing? In the John you Wick said w- many things. In too. the John Wick world, what I appreciate is um that these assassins are going to face you before they kill you.
0: Because anywhere, any like, well, Mister Nobody doesn't. That is definitely true. He comes in from behind you. He he's in the shadows. He, he
1: does, but I mean, there was plenty of instances where like he could have capped John from a distance away. Oh, I see him walking, and like, okay, forty million. But you remember why though? Because the the, the amount wasn't high enough. True but in, that could have happened anywhere in the entire John Wick world, right? But most of it, but all the assassins want to like look at you and face you head on and best you.
0: And I- Yeah, I, 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 I think that's that's also part of, I, I think there's, there's an allure among the assassins themselves because I don't think they would do that with other contracts, right? I think in terms of like, for instance, like the Baba Yaga is this- Like world known assassin, right? And I do think um, some of these other prominent assassins, either because they know him or they respect him or they want the challenge of seeing if they can take him out, you have more of that kind of walking right into the light and saying, you know, I'm gonna, you know, try and kill you kind of thing. Because if you think of the other like unknown assassins, they were coming at him every which way. They were sure, like you know, there was a scene. I think it was from John Wick chapter three at the beginning where he like, you know, that he's been uh, excommunicado <laughs> and uh, you know, he's going through the subway and there's that one woman who had the violin playing and then like he walks by and then she tries to like take him out after he's already walked past. I mean, there, there are several instances like that where you have uh, other types of assassins not be on the up and up in terms of just like getting into his line of sight and be like, I'm going to fight you now. <laughs> so I mean, yeah, it's, it's just a healthy balance. Yeah.
1: How about the ending, Russ.
0: Let's talk about the ending, Steve. Why don't you go ahead? Well, do you think John Wick is dead or do you not? That is a good question. I think it's, it's difficult to know, but I was surprised. Here's what I'm thinking. Oh, what I'm, are you thinking? I'm surprised. Well, we'll get back a little bit. Oh, okay. I was surprised in the theater when the scene cut from him... Just laying on the steps of that that gorgeous church, to all of a sudden it's like, oh, now he's he's in the the grave, like the tombstone, and you have both the manager and the Bowery King standing there and talking and that sort of thing. Although they did have kind of a little glint in their eye, like you know, where do you think he is, heaven or hell, and you know, who knows that sort of thing. Right. I did think it was weird though, because as I, as I was thinking about it, I'm like, okay, John's like. Part of John's paradox is that he has to he has to stay alive for as long as possible in order to remember the memory of his wife, but all he wants to do is die because life is meaningless without his wife. Right. So when you get to that scene, he's one, like he's he's done his thing. Now he's been shot 3 times, but if you notice, none of those shots are fatal shots, like right. Cain purposely shot him in areas that would not uh, likely shatter any bone. That would be exit wounds that were like, you know, one was up here. One was like in his love handle. You know, it wasn't like, oh, he got (coughs) shot in the stomach or, oh, he got shot in the lung or the chest. The eyeball, right. Yeah. I mean, like, again, like those, those types of wounds. Now, if they're, if those wounds were to go untreated, he could bleed out. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's. I think that scene was put in as shock value kind of like, Oh my gosh, like there's a finality here. Like he's, he's, it looks like he's gone. But at the same time, I'm thinking, is he really gone or is it more of something else? But see, like if he were to fake that, that's one thing. But at the same time, if he did fake it, then I'm pretty sure the Bowery King and, um, the, the manager, would kind of know about it. Like, why would they still be visiting his site, unless it's for optics, where, like, they want to make it look like, oh, you know, to anyone who's eavesdropping or spying or whatever. So I, I don't have a definitive answer one way or the other. <clears throat> yeah. I, I think they left the door open, mm-hmm. but I think we're supposed to
1: believe he's dead for multiple reasons. Story, mm-hmm. like, throughout the, the chapters... They're saying you can only be at peace if you're dead. He doesn't have anything to live for. His dog is dead. Well, he got another dog. But um, <laughs> anyway, his original the dog his wife gave him is dead. His wife is dead. His house is blown to smithereens. He's never beer built his house. He doesn't get any money from any of this. And so his life is in shambles. He has nothing to live for. He's not happy throughout the entire uh, show, movie, environment, world, whatever. And not to mention, outside the movie, Keanu, he's almost 60 years old, so he can't keep this up. And he said, like, I think I'm done with this. Like, not that he doesn't like the character, but I think it's, I mean, you see some of the behind the scenes stuff. Oh, yeah. These are long fight sequences. Yes. They're not chopped up into, yeah. like, you know, a second and a half here, or three seconds here. These are long, drawn out, choreographed fight sequences. That I think Keanu Reeves is, what, 58 years old? 58, yeah. Yeah. I looked last night. Uh, anyway, well, that's good. <laughs> so, I, I, he said he's pretty much done. That being said, there where there's money to be made and a story to be told and a good story to continue, I think you know he might be back or not. But IMDb says there's a chapter five. Mm-hmm. When, when there was an interview with the director and he was like, "Yeah, we were we were writing chapter five with chapter four, and I we could have made." two movies that were pretty good or we can make one great one.
0: Yeah. And so they went with with one great one, which is why it was kind of long. I did read an article about how the the director said that they were going to take a break for a while from John Wick after John Wick 4. So that to me doesn't necessarily mean that they're not going to come back to John Wick. At the same time, I totally agree with what you're talking about. I mean, John Wick is 58. (laughs) Keanu Reeves is 58 years old. And so that's just you know one of the, the the unfortunate byproducts of of age is that you're just your your physical prowess begins to diminish and it has been here's the thing both Keanu Reeves and Tom Cruise are pretty close in age and it is they're both just I don't. They're animals. Like they, they, they both are doing their own stunts and their own combat work and stuff in the movies that they make. Whether it's Mission Impossible or it's John Wick, and it is, it's, it's just. I mean, even Top Gun Maverick. I mean, you have a guy Tom Cruise. I think is between fifty eight to sixty years old. I mean, I think he's he's right around there. Yeah, he was flying in those jets. Like, the, all that stuff was legit. And so, like, I mean, there's there's massive amounts of respect and admiration for me to see these older gentlemen be able to, like, take on these things because they know that brings a huge level of authenticity to the characters they're playing. Well, where are like, they don't have digital doubles. They don't have any kind of stunt doubles or anything like that. And so that puts us as the viewers even more at the edge of our seat because we're like, man, like, that's really Keanu Reeves doing those moves. Or, I mean,
1: even in Mission Impossible. I mean, he's doing... he's jumping off of buildings, and he, yeah. he's doing all his own stunts. He like that broke day. his yeah. ankle on right. one of the moves. Yeah, <laughs> Jackie Chan, Tom
0: Cruise, Keanu Reeves. Yeah. Who else? But but I do think that that is one of the the problems or issues is that the older they get, then the harder it is. I mean, we have Harrison Ford, who's reprising his role as Indiana Jones, and...
1: He's close to 90, I think. No,
0: he's not 90. I think he's 80.
1: He, okay, well, 80. Sorry. <laughs>
0: He, he, he's a hundred years old, <laughs> 102. He'll still, still go, he himself has become the artifact <laughs> that other people are trying to get. Oh, oh man. Uh, but no, I, I I do think that it is gonna be interesting to see what happens if they decide to not move forward with Keanu Reeves in terms of future John Wick films or just the that world itself. I think they have done such a superb job in building this world. And I've talked about this in in previous reviews that we've done for John Wick chapter two and chapter three. The fact that they have approached it the way they have, there's just a wealth of history. There's a wealth of how the high table works and how this underground assassins community functions and it's ripe to be able to perhaps showcase other types of assassins that live in this world. I do think it's going to be a challenge because John Wick as a character is the OG of this world. Right. So no one can replace John Wick and and nor should they. But at the same time, I know that if they were to pick the right people and again, the director and, and the crew behind this, have been perfect in their casting. Like you look at all these different actors they've chosen and the characters that they have created for these actors to play. There's no, at least up until this point, there is no inkling of a drought of how they can make these characters. Because honestly, there are a lot of those previous characters they've made that I would love to see multiple movies made of just their journey, their encounters, you know, like what they have to deal with. And on top of that, what's really cool is like you could still have Keanu Reeves make cameo appearances yeah, right. in those types of situations. So I don't know, like I go back and forth because it's like, well, there's that or the other option would be like, for instance, like the digital double, like where like, you know, for all the actual fighting combat sequences, they would use somebody else. I do think there would be something lost in terms of that, knowing that that's not actually Kano anymore.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: So I'm conflicted. I don't know. Let me ask you about the, the, the
1: dual sequence though. Yes. So throughout the movie, we're told to, to believe that the Marquis is such a bad guy. And he's a bad guy. But you almost, or at least I was wondering, how did this guy get appointed to the high table if we don't see him back it up? You know, because he, he's increasing the the reward or the bounty, if you would say, against John Wick. Got it. Okay. He stabs nobody in the hand. So he wants to, you know, test his commitment. His loyalty. Loyalty. Yeah. Okay. So there's that. And, you know, he shoots uh, what's his face in the beginning of the movie, which I thought sucked uh, because I wanted to see him more throughout the movie, honestly.
0: Yeah.
1: I think that I don't, you know, the actor passed away. Yeah. Lance from nat- Lance Riddick. natural causes but we don't know what that was. I am was wondering if he was sick for a, a, a while which is why they took him out so early in the film. They had to write that in. But I really wanted to see him throughout the whole thing. He just brought it just a oh, different level of polish.
0: He he was one of the the pillars that right. make up uh, the world of John Wick. Yeah,
1: I did. Mm, so if if he wasn't sick and they just decided to take him out so early, that that's an issue. But we don't know.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I was happy to see him either way if they wasn't there at all, it would have been something is definitely missing from the. Anyway, so the Marquis.
0: Mm-hmm. Another one of Steve's digress- digressions. I can't help it.
1: I can't help it. <laughs> Those thoughts are flowing everywhere. Uh, so at the end of the movie, you know, I understood, okay, you know, they're going to have him fight his friend and you know, because he's ruthless and whatever. And I get that, but I just didn't see, I kind of wanted there to be more of a face-off between John and the Marquis. Did you feel the same
0: way? I think in terms of the, the, the people, like the, the various villains that we have seen in the John Wick films who are at that level or close to that level, they are far more political in nature. They're not necessarily someone who is adept at the gun-fu as some of these other characters or assassins or whatever. They're And again, we it's with limited knowledge of the high table. They've been very very successful at just doling out information over the various movies where they don't just say, okay, this is what it's about. Let me put you this way. John Wick doesn't have one of those scenes where master Jedi, (laughs) I've been wondering what are midi-chlorians? Well, Annie, let me tell you all about it. (laughs) Like they don't have any of that. Instead, they are very practical with, like, okay, we're going to give them this little chunk of a nugget of information that then they, you know, the fans can chew on a bit and then we'll expand upon that in the next film and so forth. And so even after John with Chapter Four, we still don't have like this huge hierarchy or, uh, you know, flow chart of like, okay, this person's here and this person's, and then they have this. And you know, that we don't have any of that. But that's part of the mystique of the world that is John Wick. I like the mystique. I like not knowing everything. But, you know, you see some of these characters such as the uh, the the brother from, I, th- I believe it was, yeah, it was John Wick chapter two, where, He, you know, for political purposes, you know, he he wants to have the seat instead of his sister and his sister got the seat because I think their father passed away or something. I'm a little hazy on like how she came into it, but like basically my understanding of how the high table works and those like kind of the lieutenants of the high table, so to speak is it's it's kind of like this game of chess when it comes to like the, the underworld politics and how much favor do you have? How much influence do you have? There's a lot of positioning. It's almost like their version of Game of Thrones where those types of people don't have necessarily the physical prowess to hold their own, but they can manipulate situations and get other people to be their proxy to fight. Just like what we saw here where like the Marquis, you know, finagled and used, you know, basically took advantage of a loophole to, to force Kane to be his proxy to fight John Wick because the Marquis ultimately is this arrogant coward. Right. But he's still, he's, he, he's very vain, arrogant, like I said earlier, diabolical, evil. There, there are all kinds of traits to it, but, you know, it's like a video game, Steve. Like, you yeah, know, sure. you always get introduced to the, the main baddie, but then you can't just take him out right then and there. No, you gotta go through all his cronies, and finally when you uh, when you corner him, Then you find out he's on steroids and he breathes fire (laughs) and has magic. Like, what What in the world? Yeah, yeah. you're just like, how is that?
1: Laser beams out of his eyes. You ripped your clothes off. Let's go.
0: You're like, man, (laughs) now I know why he's so evil. It does make me, you know, what's really funny is that a lot of those old school video games where like you, you come across <laughs> the last boss and they have some sort of huge transformation. Some big robot. It does of kind of subconsciously make me think about the actual workforce, the right. workplace, right? You know, you go to your day job and you're like, you know, if I were to corner my boss, like would he also like have some sort of crazy transformation and completely scare me to death and have some, he looks like he has the body of like a an overweight 50 year old, but uh tear off that, that white collared shirt and suddenly he's got like this like six pack and it has got prison body he like can lift up desks and with one yeah. hand and like,
1: <laughs> you wanna go <laughs> okay I'll
0: take I'll work on Sunday got it <laughs> that's so funny so good hmm. well did you have any other scenes or comments that you want to make, or should we go into our uh, final thoughts and rating? Final thoughts and verdicts, Russ. Take it away, Steve. So, this was probably, I would say,
1: the movie of so far of the year. I, this is like, this is ranking on top of my list so far, Russ. Uh, a lot of the movies have a high bar to compare to. It deserves a lot of awards. And I want to see the cast and the behind the scenes folks. I want to see them receive their awards. I don't watch the Academy and the Oscars and stuff, but if this is nominated and it should, I'm tuning in. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Can you imagine if it actually got nominated? <laughs> nominated. Best picture. Like the I, I would I would not believe my eyes and ears if I if I saw the the Academy. Nominate John Wick Chapter Four for Best Picture,
1: dude. I've been out of it so long. Do they even have like a Best like Action Movie, or is that more of like an MTV Award kind yeah, of thing? Yeah, I or? think it's
0: it's probably more like yeah MTV Award or People's Choice Awards something, or something like yeah. that. Which honestly, that is much more fun in my opinion than some of the stuff they have uh, at the Oscars. But that's just one man's opinion. Anyhow, this is
1: all the series as a whole clearly stands out. I was coming into this thinking, do I like the Matrix more or John Wick more? Yeah. And I definitely like John Wick more. I think if I was to compare the Matrix one and John Wick one, I'd probably choose the Matrix one better. But the Matrix as a whole doesn't compare to John Wick. All, all four chapters, they're crazy well done. yeah And definitely worth seeing in the theater. Definitely worth picking up for your movie collection. I had a list of gripes that that do take away a little bit from the score, not a lot, but it definitely takes away. I did. I I felt like again, if they wanted me to feel exhaustion with the fighting, they definitely. I definitely felt exhausted.
0: Well, I, when you said score, you you don't mean the the my, music. My, you're, 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 my my score. Your film score. Gotcha.
1: <laughs> because the film the score of the movie is fine. <laughs> I mean, just, uh, no no. I figured i clarify. I'm like what? So. I mean, I, I did feel somewhat exhausted at the end of it, and I did feel like some of the fighting was a bit repetitive. It wasn't bad. I'm not trying to give that. I just thought I, I wanted it to be more special. Maybe with uh, Mr. Nobody, it could have been that extra layer of, like, just frosting on top. I didn't feel like he really added anything to the story. I wanted him to be more unique than he was. Even if it feels like he was... Um, if you used quick draw a lot more, because no one uses quick draw, and, yeah. and John when John Wick, and he did that like once, and I'm like, yeah, that's cool, and then he never did it ever again. Yeah. I wanted to see him use more abilities. I wanted to see his story fleshed out. I wanted to see him be more unique, and uh, I just didn't feel like they really drew out his character as much as they could within the final movie. If this is the final movie of of the series, uh, I wanted to see them draw more. From the characters that we've seen in previous chapters, even if they had a little bit of screen time, I wanted them to do that, and they they didn't. Um, and I, I don't know. I oh overall, I, I had an awesome time. There were just little sequences like that that would have set it over the top. Still incredible. I had a awesome time in the theater, and I can't wait to pick up the movie. But because of my, just like the gripe, the little, just the little gripe, little pebbles of sand, if you will, in the hourglass, Russ, I'm going to say it's a 4.5. A 4.5. I wanted to give it a five and John Wick 1 is definitely a five. I didn't like it as much as John Wick 1. I liked it better than the third, about the same as the second, maybe a little bit better than the second, which is a feat in itself. I mean, the fourth movie I don't see how it could even compare. And this one definitely closely compares to number one. So it it goes well for all the behind the scenes movie making, the script, the cast, I mean, everything. Yeah. But it, to me, it just doesn't get that five star quite
0: yet. Fair enough. Yeah. For me, this is the kind of film, uh, it, basically it's the it's why I go to the movie theater. You know, you and what was funny was that I actually had to um, reschedule myself. I I was going to see it on like the largest screen that the the, the local theater had. Um, it's like an XD theater, but unfortunately, when I looked, I realized, oh my goodness, like. I have other stuff I got to do that is going to run into the two hours and 47 minutes or whatever it was. So I had to actually reschedule and watch it on a smaller screen, which it was still fine. But like, I still want that, that big screen experience and looking at what they did. I totally agree. I had the same thought as you did with regards to the matrix where the original matrix movie was this completely original story and the characters were fantastic. You could tell they're having a good time, but then the subsequent sequels afterwards were not nearly as good. Like right. like you, there were like little like pockets of brilliance and that sort of thing. But overall, it just it started kind of getting lost in its own uh, philosophies and its approach to things. And so it was just like ah like if you look at Matrix one, two, and three, clearly the first Matrix was head and shoulders the best. And I totally agree with what you were talking about about with John Wick, about how John Wick doesn't have that problem. It continues to be just as good, if not better, than the previous films. And, you know, that, that's a, a subjective opinion. We all have our own personal favorite John Wick film out of the four that's been produced so far. But... It is such a, an achievement for the cast and crew to be able to put forth what they have done over the last nine years. It's crazy to think about how much time has gone by in that that time period, but I think every one of them should be very proud of the fact that they have that on their resume, that they created and worked on the John Wick franchise. I think this type of story is like in line with like what... Uh, J.K. Rowling has done with the Harry Potter franchise where you have the world building. You have these memorable characters, these memorable villains. Um, You have um, these fantastic vistas. There's always this element of mystery and surprise. It's just ripe to be able to expand more and more and more and have these offshoots, which apparently there are a couple of TV shows that they are working on. I really hope that they are just as fantastic uh, as what we've seen here, and I think that's a very high bar to to achieve. And I think you know Keanu as an actor, and especially as an action actor, you know he's done a lot of other um, action movies in addition to The Matrix and John Wick. And it's such a pleasure to see him having grown up as kids, seeing uh, his entire career flourish and do what he does. And so seeing something like this is—I'm not—I wouldn't necessarily say it's like his personal magnum opus, but at the same time, I just love. How when they decided to do the, this particular movie, they were like, "We're gonna shoot for three hour film. That's action movie. We're gonna have all kinds of places. We're gonna go, all the different fighting sequences. When you think about the different types of weaponry that was used or hand to hand combat, that sort of thing, were, were just phenomenal. I don't know, like like there was a, this is lightning caught in a bottle." <clears throat> Like, and this is something that I, I, I preach about all the time is that as a creative and, and for me, like I work, as you know, in the video game industry, but it's the same kind of premise where it's like, it's very difficult to capture that, that special lightning. And it's also very difficult to keep it in the bottle because you can easily lose it just as quick as you, as you caught it. And for these past four films, they have been able to they they first caught the lightning in a bottle and they were able to hold on to it all this time. And that's that is a very rare thing. That's a very special thing in terms of how you, you just don't see that happen. Hardly at all, and, and you know we've also noticed how like there have been other franchises that you know once had the lightning in the bottle, but then very obviously have lost it when the power went out. The power went out, and so the lightning. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Anyway, I I could just gush about this this movie. I mean, I could gush about the series as well for hours and hours and hours. But for me, this isn't this is an easy five star film this is a film i cannot highly recommend enough i feel like like if this were to be the last john wick movie what a way to go out what i mean i just even like you know and and we kind of touched upon it in the in the, the overall review but i love even the the choice of job titles that exist in john wick you know the harbinger so cool and not only that but like even the the function of that role is so cool the actor they got to hire for that is he, he just he nailed it you know you think of um the the adjudicator i mean like we never use these words in day-to-day <laughs> i want that life on my business card yeah who are you I'm the adjudicator. yeah you know, and, and like even something like the manager—they take a, a job title that is used in mundane. day-to-day life. It's yeah, yeah, it's very mundane, very boring. And but then you 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 put it in John Wick's world, and you're like the manager, you know, or the concierge. Like they take these these different types of job titles or words and turn them into these, these very cool, distinguishable sounding names. I don't know, and, and and that's part of their magic too—is they're able to take like it's so hard to describe, but they've been able to take these different types of attributes that I think both conscious and subconsciously as people, like we kind of like, we always like the nice suit. We like the exotic car. We like, you know, how these characters are being treated in the films. We wish we were treated that same way where we went, right? We, we, we like McClout. You know the, the the element of danger, but being able to hold our own. We love um, all the different types of weapons that are being shown, and, and again, they're being shown like fine wines. You know, oh, this one was 1978. <laughs> you know, going through the whole thing that taps into, uh, I think, a certain level of of humanity's psyche that we we have a very positive response to.
1: Can I just say one more thing?
0: You sure can. That's a final
1: thought. I'm not sure if I'm glad or i miss the sequence where he picks up his weapons like he did it in john wick one and two he like went to italy and they're talking about food and steak and dinner and dessert and stuff and it would be I don't, I don't i'm i'm kind of glad they didn't do it because it would have been rehashed yet again like the fourth time of it and but i kind of miss it because that scene was so cool where he goes like or if it was he'd be riding in Osaka and he goes, oh, this is your sake for tonight. And it's uh-huh. like some Bushido blade sort of thing. And here's your Kobe beef or so, you know, all these different, very high class Japanese yeah. entrees. Right. And, but it's all different weapons. I don't know if I really want it there or I'm glad they didn't rehash it again. I'm like 50, 50 with it.
0: I do think if they, if they did do it, you don't have to limit it to just food or, or dinner courses, right? Like, Again, like the wine, for instance, like, you know, vintage, you know, 1926, you know, that sort of thing. I think there are, are multiple subjects or multiple approaches that you could have in that regard. Because I, too, I just, I love that. Because, again, <laughs> yeah. it, it reinforces this level of sophistication. They're not just these, like, I don't know, average Joe killer, whatever. Like, they conduct themselves on this totally other level. And, uh, and, and you know, it's, that's part of the, the fantasy, right? That's part of the entertainment. So I can't highly recommend it enough. The only people I would say is like, if you're squeamish, if you're not into like, you know, gun movies, fighting blood, that sort of thing, and then, then this may not be for you, but for those who enjoy uh, action movies like this, this is this is a, a crowning achievement for the the action movie franchise. So there you have it. That wraps up this episode of Joygasm. We thank you so much for hanging out with us. If you enjoy this episode, we invite you to check out patreon.com slash joygasm, which is spelled J-O-Y-G-A-S-M and consider becoming a monthly contributor. You'll gain exclusive perks as well as early access to the show, not to mention the fact that it helps us financially continue doing the podcast. Also, click on that subscribe button as well as that notification bell. That way you will not miss a single solitary episode of Joygasm that drops once a week each week. And last but not, oh, actually, I should say, while you're at it, you could do a search for at Joygasm TV on your favorite social media platform of choice. And last but not least, do a search for Joygasm TV on Twitch to see us stream our gaming adventures live every Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. Central Time. We thank you for hanging out with us, and we look forward to you reconvening next week when we talk about Octopath Traveler 2. We'll see you then.